Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of Opera After Dark. folks it's finally happening it's finally here the end of this fucking opera <laughs> hey yo opera cycle this fucking yeah. opera cycle the end of end this of the story ring cycle. <coughs> you have to forgive naomi she has a little bit of a cold but she's powering through because she's a champion i have a horrific combination of a cold allergies and sore throat but allergies allergies there yes. you go or coldergies. So if I sound a little not like myself, that's why. That's why. I think, but I think you sound great. She's here Thanks, today. Man. She's going to talk mm-hmm. us through, though, is this the longest opera in the cycle? Definitely the longest. There you go. Oh, really? Does Dang. anyone? Does anybody want to guess how many hours this takes on average to perform this? Six. Including, including intermissions? 5.45. I'm not sure if this is including or excluding intermissions. Probably excluding. Four hours and 30 minutes. Five and a half. Kyle says five and a half. I said many things. You said six. You also <laughs> said... I said five hours and 45 minutes. And I also said four hours and 30 minutes. The intermissions really, that, that factors in. But in any case, with or without intermissions, undetermined. How long? It says that this opera takes five hours to perform. Damn. Oh, so, so Kyle and I were on either side of it. It's probably not, not counting intermissions, but I'm going to look at the Met website because they always show you like the total runtime. Yeah. Um, and you can't make cuts in a Wagner opera. It's just that is not. <laughs> just not done. Definitely not done. <laughs> not possible when it's through composed in the way that it is. Also, just I feel like you wouldn't do that in Wagner because then people would just like have your head. So. Right. They would have a conniption. They right. would those, have a very big conniption. Wagnerites. Well, we should also take this moment to basically encourage you to, if you haven't listened to our previous episodes about Wagner's ring cycle, why don't you just go back, listen to it? It'll only take you like four hours to listen on on all the content having to do with Wagner. Which is shorter than this opera, so... There you go. There you go. Right. What would you rather do? Listen to Wagner for four hours or listen to us for four hours? Listen to us talk about Wagner for four hours. Right. Well, the Met performances of the Ring Cycle say that the Gotodemerung opera is five hours and 32 minutes as a total runtime, and that includes intermissions. I'm assuming two intermissions of a half an hour to 40 minutes each. I'm assuming so. So I think that the five-hour estimate includes a kind of like half an hour's worth of intermission would Hmm. be my guess. Okay. Hmm. It's still too long. Interesting. It's still very long. Very long. Well, if you've made it that far in the cycle, I mean, you just, you power through. That's true. And, you know, I used to... Before I knew a whole lot about this opera, I used to think that. I used to think that, like, well, by the time you get to Gotta Demerung, like, you're in it to win it. And so 
you must be just like at the edge of your seat ready to see how this all comes together Mm -hmm. but then when I learned more about this opera there's so many new characters in this opera that I'm like why do we have to end the story this way introducing a whole bunch of new people so I don't know I have some qualms with it but it does all come to a conclusion so so what does well that's good what does Goethe Demerung mean Gute Dämmerung is one of those beautiful compound German nouns, which means the twilight of the gods. And Ooh, okay, also... so you know, you know what that means. Do you know, do you know what Gute Dämmerung is the German word for? Ragnarok? What? Thor? I'm taking it back. No, it is. I know. Is. I know. Nice. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I feel like Ragnarok also has taken on... Uh, or, or has been taken on by like the heavy metal scene. Oh, totally. I've, mm-hmm. I've heard that in other contexts where it's like end of the world, end of the gods, mm-hmm. like super hardcore Ragnarok. Yes. It is the end of Asgard. The end of everything. And the whole idea is that this opera shows you how the old world basically gets abolished and passes away and there's some kind of new something, the rebirth of something. <gasps> in the mm. world so are you going to tell us what the something is or no, is it no, not clear not. what the something is <laughs> she's not <laughs> i mean to tell you explicitly what the something is i would have to actually understand the mind of ricard wagner with which i definitely <laughs> do not and so nor would you want nobody to. does no, nor do i have any desire to be inside that man's brain well, i feel so, like there are a lot of new characters like you said so it's yes. probably a lot of exposition so there is why don't we just get on with it it's also i will say there are three acts in this opera okay. plus a prologue. Why is there a prologue? <laughs> Just so you know what happens. We've already Actually, been in this world for like 12 hours already. What more do we need to explain to us? For the love of God. Okay, go on. What happened in the prologue? So in the prologue. Wait, is this on stage or off stage? On stage. Okay. On stage. <laughs> on stage prologue. Um, in the prologue, we meet the Norns. Okay. There are three of them. Okay. <laughs> the not, Norns. They're not the Rhine Maidens. They are not the Rhine Maidens. They they're are not the Valkyries. They are three women. Yes. They are daughters of Erda, the earth goddess. But from what I can tell, not daughters of Wotan. So, like, Erda's also gotten together with multiple people. Ooh, Erda, a scandal. Mm-hmm. Who, who is it? I Do don't know think? who the Norns' father is. It's Fafner. <laughs> 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 the dragon? Yes. <laughs> no, Go. the giant. No, well, Fafner, Fafner as dragon. Fafner as dragon. Yes. That would have been interesting. Okay. <laughs> Go on. So the three Norns, daughter of Erda, when the prologue opens, they are spinning the ropes of destiny. Oh, so oh. they're like the three they're like the three fates. I who, think like, so. weave. Yes. And so the ropes are like symbols of like what has <laughs> happened, what will happen. The ropes are symbolic for like destiny. past, present, future. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of uh, like the, the witches that are in the Disney version of Hercules. You know, I've actually never seen the Disney Me version neither. of Hercules. Oh, my God, you guys. I know. I know. That <laughs> was a little. Check that it was out. A little. Like I was a little too old at that point. Yeah. That's yeah. I yeah. mean, I was there for like the Disney Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Little Mermaid, Aladdin, yes. Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Beauty and the Beast, Pinocchio. Oh my God, Pinocchio was a little bit Pocahontas. Early. Pocahontas, yeah, I remember Pocahontas coming out. You need to expand your horizons. Watch Hercules, 
featuring Danny DeVito. I mean, I do like Danny DeVito. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a lot of fun. It's like the, you know, like with most of those Disney cartoons, there's a lot of jokes wrapped into it that are clearly for adults. I mean, I'm not watching saying it's it with bad. Their kids. It's just like it. Yeah, it missed you. Yeah. Right. It's not, not, it missed me. Yeah. I missed mm-hmm. it. Right. Or in like case, ships in the night. <laughs> like ships in the night. Yes. Oh, uh, well, that's fine. There's these three witches that it's more, it's more like a life and death thing where like when it's okay. time for somebody to die, they, they are like three fates and they like pull out this string and then, and then they, they like go cut to it. cut the string and that's yeah. when somebody dies until they try to do that to Hercules. But then he like becomes a God. Scissors don't work. There's Scissors a, don't work on gods. There's a, a funny line it is where they say, what's the matter with these scissors? But you won't get it because you haven't seen the movie. But whatever. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Okay. I like how you said this is funny and then have to follow it up with like, you're not going to think it's funny at all because you don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to tell you what it is anyway. I can't pass it up. <laughs> all right. Well. All right. So the Norns. I'm just going to say that when you feel like the right moment comes to drop that line in this episode, don't hesitate. Just drop it. Oh yes. <laughs> so we got three. Elspeth uh, is looking at me like, "Don't encourage." Do him. the Norns have names? No, no, they are just the Norns. They're just a unit. Three Norns, yeah. three, three fates. Nor- Norn one, Norn two, and Norn three. <laughs> I, I guess so. All three Norns are. Norn, 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 Norn. Okay, they are weaving the ropes of destiny. Mm. And as they do this, they're, like, passing the ropes back and forth from one another, and they're singing, and, like, the music passes from one Norn to the next. They're singing about the past as they weave these ropes together. And then as they're weaving these ropes of destiny, they also tell us a little bit more about some of the backstory. And so we learn that Votan went to drink from the Well of Wisdom, and that's how he lost his eye. So if everyone's watching the ring cycle being oh. like, why is Photon a pirate all the time with an <laughs> eye patch? Um, it's because he lost his eye while drinking from the Well of Wisdom. Oh, wow. And then... Uh, okay. And and then... Did it like splash in his eye and he's like, oh, it burns and then it falls out? Unclear. But let's say yes. I say that he drank it. And then he tried, he drank the, not his eyeball, he drank the water from the well of wisdom, and then it started to choke him, and then his eyes flew out of his socket and went back down his throat, because you know, physiologically, everything is connected in your head, and then it comes out of his mouth. <laughs> he throws it up, and that's why his But only come. one of the eyes. Look, I don't make the rules in this. Okay, okay. All Maybe right. the other one's a glass eye. Maybe he's fucking blind. I don't know. So I see what you would do as a director in like creating like the pantomime sequence of this. It's all I, very clear now. I <laughs> would <laughs> do the worst fucking production of these operas. No consideration, no care. Actually, you, it'd be pretty funny. It would be like the producers where you like intentionally try to create the worst opera Most production offensive. ever. Yeah. And everybody yes. would love it. Right. Yes. Like, oh, it's a commentary. <laughs> the springtime for Hitler. Of ring productions. Wow, surprisingly applicable. Yes, <laughs> isn't it just? Yes. All right. Springtime anyway. <laughs> for Votan in Ragnarok. <laughs> oh God. Okay, so we also learned that the same day that he lost his eye in this apparently very horrific encounter with the Well of Wisdom. Wait, has he had one eye the whole time? He he yeah. has. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why don't 
Well, we haven't really talked about it because you don't you don't bring up someone's eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> Would be rude to comment on somebody's eye patch. <laughs> you just don't ask someone. I mean, right. you let it well, now that we've gone there. All and right. so far, Votan's not the kind of guy who's like, hey, you see this eye patch? Well of wisdom. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's not like that. So He's like, ask me. Ask me about the eye <laughs> just patch. Ask me about I dare eye you. Patch. Ask me. Right. So, in the same day, I guess, that he lost his eye at the Well of Wisdom, he also made his spear that day, and he cut it from a tree, the spear where he, like, carves all of his oaths, and then after he cut the spear from the tree, the tree died. So, this is all, like, very ominous, right? And then... (laughs) He didn't take that as a sign, like, oh, maybe I should make a different spear. (laughs) (laughs) I guess not. (laughs)
Norn tells this like story of Votan. Then as they're passing the the ropes of destiny, the next Norn talks about a young hero who broke Votan's spear, and mm. we actually saw that in the previous opera, right? In Siegfried. We did. And so she talks about how the gods were sent down from Valhalla and um, and how the world is going to like turn to ash. And then the third Norn talks about how the logs from the ash tree are now piled around Valhalla ready for, ready to burn. Okay? And so this is all apparently talking about the past. And then the Norns have a vision of the future, but they don't really tell you what that vision is because as they're having this vision, vision of the future, the ropes break and then the Norns, like, disappear into the earth. Oh. Ragnarok. What's the matter with these scissors? <laughs> there you go. There well you go. Good job. Someone's going to get that. I wasn't sure if that was the time that you were talking about, but that's I couldn't about, miss it just in case. That's about as close as we're going to get. So well done. <laughs> What's right. the matter with these ropes? Oh, bye. <laughs> bye. Um, all right. So you have this very ominous opening with these Norns and talking about destiny, past, present, future. And then they get swallowed up into the earth. They disappear. And then the scene changes to our... Uh, incestuous lovers. Which ones? <laughs> Brunhilde and Siegfried. The Jon Snow and Daenerys of the situation. Yes. Right. Yes. But they're not played as incestuous, are they? Like, nobody brings it up, right? Nobody brings it up, correct. Nobody brings okay. it up. Yeah. There's no Samwell to, you know. <laughs> Whoa, spoilers. Or Bran. I guess Look, it's at been, this point, if you it's haven't, been a couple of weeks, yeah. If you haven't uh-huh. seen the yeah. first episode already or any of it, you're not going to watch Besides, it. Besides, if you've watched season seven, you know that Samwell knows. So, read right. the books. Just read a fucking book, people. <laughs> Says you would have known woman. years ago. All Says right. the woman hosting a podcast. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Listen to this podcast and then read a fucking book. <laughs> okay. So, Brunhilde and Siegfried they come out of a cave. Apparently, this is where we left them at the end of the third opera. So Did they fall into a cave? No, <laughs> but I think it's like... the mountain? I think that's... No, no, no. That's the second opera. That's where she gets left at the second opera. Valkyrie. But yeah, then he gets her. He gets her out of the mountain in the third opera. Off the mountain, out of the Ring of Fire in the third opera. Did they go somewhere? I thought, like, he went through the Ring of Fire, and then they had a big love duet within the Ring of Fire. There, How many they, times can I say Ring of Fire... In a 30-second period. Be careful. Be careful. You know what's going to happen. Be careful. Do it. I went down burning a fire. Down, oh my God, down, down. Are we still flames in the went higher. And it burns, burns, burns. I feel like fire. we are still in the prologue. We are still oh, in the prologue. This is my fault. I'm going to shut up. Okay. okay. They come out of a cave. So they were doing at, God knows at the what. end of Siegfried when he rescues her. I mean, her God does from, know what they were doing. Mm, Come on, right? What they mm-hmm. were doing. Yes. Yeah, so they, I'm guessing at the end of Siegfried, the third opera, like they, she decides to basically give up any hope of becoming a god or immortal Valkyrie again, and she decides to like live a mortal life with Siegfried. Mm-hmm in love and passion so i guess that's what they've been up to in the cave mm. and then mm-hmm. siegfried like emerges from the cave and they're all lovey-dovey but siegfried has to go off and do things that heroes do <laughs> does he say that well 
to be honest, I'm not exactly sure how he phrases it to her because I have not read the libretto, but this synopsis says literally, Siegfried has to go off to do heroic deeds. <laughs> so he goes off and she internally is like, I've made a huge mistake. Well, no, she basically like blesses his journey into like doing heroic things and she says um like here you can even take my horse to help you what yeah grana grana not grana it's very un brunhilde like to just be like okay don't give that dick no 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 but but, like he promises his love for her so he actually gives her oh great he promises and gives her the ring Ooh. he puts a ring on it wait I mean, he puts that ring on. That's going to kill her. He doesn't know it's going to kill her. It's the one ring. I know. She's going to turn into Gollum. <laughs> he doesn't nobody know wants, that. Where are nobody we? Nobody wants to be married to Gollum. <laughs> What's Let's happening? Right. So he gives Brunhilde this ring. Okay. And he's like, this is a token of my love for you. This is a promise of my love. I will come back to you. And she's like, take my horse. He'll help you. And then he's like, I got to go travel down the Rhine for a bit. I'll be back. Later. Later, Gator. And so that is how the prologue ends.
right, Act One. It's Act like 20 One. Years later. No, no, no. It's oh, just okay. like a few days later. Oh, okay, great. Don't worry. No big time hops in this one. All right. Um, this is where we are in a totally new place that we've never heard of before. We meet new characters that we've never met in this whole cycle before. Oh, okay. God. We are now in the hall of the Gibishungs, the Gibishung Palace. <laughs> It's all so made up, but I mean, okay. what else do you expect? You know, what what some okay. gibbishungs, some gibbishungs. They're what like they're like half humans or human-ish. Um, we meet while well, the gibbishungs are actually like their leader is the half brother of Hagen. Okay, who's Hagen? <laughs> you know, the brother of, of Dogs. Dogs. Uh, no, so they are say? they are somehow. Connected to <laughs> Alberic, but I'm not sure exactly how. Man, this is already so twisted. They're okay, next so door, the best next door neighbors, like the best way, kind of like the best way to, I think, it just kind of keep it separate in your mind is like the Gibbishung are like another race or like culture of people. Okay, all right, fine. Just like the Volsungs are another like race or culture of humans, the okay. Gibbishungs are a, another culture of humans, and. So Gunther or Gunther is their leader, mm-hmm. right? He's mm-hmm. the chief. Mm-hmm. He has a half brother whose name is Hagen, and um, say it, say it again. You know you want to. Hagen last name Daz. <laughs> yes, Hagen Daz. <laughs> so good one, Kyle. Oh, can't help it. Can't um, help it. So Hagen, like any good old half-brother, says to Gunther, you know, brother, you would look even more important in this whole palace situation if you had a wife. Because mm. apparently he's a bachelor. And he's like, doesn't look, <laughs> doesn't look good that you're a bachelor chief. Like, you really need a wife to kind of secure your power. Okay. And then Hagen's also like, and you know what? Your sister, whose name is Gutruna, also, like, really needs to get a husband. Are they going to marry each other? You said there was no new incest. No, there's no new incest. No new incest. I promise. Hagen, they're looking for separate spouses. Looking for separate spouses. Hagen is like a bad hand of the king. Okay. Ooh. All right. Okay. So I'm with it. So he says um, that Gutruna also deserves to be married or should be married, and he says to Gunther, "You know, I've heard of this woman. Her name is Brunhilda." I think she would make a great wife for you. And I don't oh, know. And he's like, I've heard that um, she was asleep on this rock like forever, surrounded by fire, and that Siegfried is the only person who's been able to break through to her. And so he's like, what if we do this? What if we get Siegfried to marry Gutruna and get Brunhilde to marry Gunther? To marry you. This is so fucking convoluted. Right? Right? And then Gunther's like, you know what? That's a great idea. It's I'm not. into this. I'm it's really a into this. Idea. And so he says that in order to get this to happen, because like we all know that Siegfried and Brunhilde are in love. So we're like, they're never gonna like, you know, just decide to be with other people. They're deeply So in- we're gonna take her. They're in deep incestuous love, right? They're not right. gonna just give that up. <laughs> and so um, Hagen says that in order to make this possible, we'll give Siegfried a magic potion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go on. Mm-hmm. That will make him forget 
who Brunhilde is all together mm-hmm. oh, and convince him to marry Gutruna. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. And Gunther is like, I like this plan. I like this plan. Let's do it. Let's do it. And so they decide to do it. All right. Then, right on cue, they hear Siegfried's horn call outside. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we should back. totally do this plan. Thank God he was not, like outside. Right. And so <laughs> Siegfried walks in. He's kind of like, I am Siegfried. And he looks at Hagen and he's like, do you know who I am? And Hagen's like, yes, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. And remember that Siegfried uh, has in his possession, he no longer has the ring because he gave this to Brunhilde. But what other magic thing in this opera might he have? Tarnhelm. The magic hat. And the so magic hat. <laughs> he has this with him. And we know that this allows him to change shape or become invisible. However, apparently Siegfried is unaware of the power of the magic hat. He doesn't realize what the Tarnhelm can do. And so... Oh, what a dummy. Hagen, well. Hagen in his infinite wisdom, Hagen is like, Das Hat over there, mm-hmm. let me tell you what it does. And then he explains it to him. And then as he's explaining this to him, who comes onto the scene but the beautiful Gutruna, who then offers Siegfried a drink. Oh, no. They made that potion real fast. Real fast. And so then um, he drinks it, and he actually, as he drinks it, he, like, toasts to the health and of his beautiful, beloved Brunhilde. Mm-hmm. Okay? And... Ironic. Then, like, literally within seconds of swallowing it, he turns around and he sees Gatruna and he falls madly in love with her. So much so that he's like, marry me right now. Marry me. Does Gatruna... Dang. Oh, is she aware of this plot? It's unclear if she's actually aware... Or if they were just like, give him this. He's thirsty. (laughs) That is unclear to me if she's like, complicit in the whole thing. (gasps) Unclear. I think it probably depends on the staging, whether or not she's there or witnesses their Mm. conversation... But she does give him the potion. Right. And he's um, like, for interpretation. He's like yeah. you're hot. I'm an idiot. Let's get married right now. Right. And she's like, that's wonderful. I'll marry you. But we really need to convince Brunhilde to marry Gunther as well. Like, that's part of this bargain, I guess. Oh, she's like, fucking complicit. Oh, so she's, she's in fucking on complicit. Yeah. 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 So, she knows. Um, and he agrees to suck. marry her. And then he agrees. He's like, yes. If all I need to do to marry you is, like, find a wife for Gunther, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then Hagen's like, well, we've heard about this Brunhilde that's on a rock, right? Mm -hmm. Surrounded by a ring of fire. We think she would be a good bride for Gunther. And Siegfried, because he drank the magic potion, has no memory of her. So he's like, you know what? I can use this hat with all the magic powers to disguise myself as Gunther and go and get Brunhilde. And then, like, convince her to marry Gunther or force her to marry Gunther, what have you, and then I'll be allowed to marry Gatruna. I'll come back, I'll, like, shapeshift out of Gunther, back into Siegfried, this and marry... This is the dumbest, <laughs> right? most colluded fucking plan I've ever right. heard in my entire life. And the fact that they just happen to have this magic potion, like, on hand, makes me feel like haagen has tried this shit before. Oh, yeah. And it has not been <laughs> successful. Yes. So he... So Siegfried goes off to try and basically hunt down Brunhilde, and Hagen is left guarding the palace. Now, we change scenes, 
And this next scene is actually like the biggest moment in the whole ring for a mezzo soprano. So nice. What? Yes. So now we're back on Valkyrie Rock, and this is where Brunhilde's like chilling in the cave, the love cave, waiting for Siegfried to come back, mm-hmm. and. Valtrauta arrives on her flying horse and she says to Brunhilda, Brunhilda, you have to come back to Valhalla. Our father Wotan is in a real bad way. His spear is broken. He's super depressed. Like he's not eating. He's not drinking. He's not doing anything. And he's basically just piling up logs to like around the, the palace waiting for fire to burn everything to the ground. Wow. Very healthy and and productive. And Valtraut says, she's like, what's that on your finger? And Brunhilde's like, this is the ring that Siegfried gave me as a token of our love. And Valtraut says, dude, you have to, you have to bring that back to the Rhine maidens. Like you have to get that back into the Rhine. You can't hold on to that. Like that's going to destroy you. And like, Furthermore, our father Votan desperately wants this ring to go back to the Rhine Maidens because it's just destroyed everything. And like you have it, so you can do this. You can save him and you can save all of us. And then Brunhilde's like, No, 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 Siegfried gave me this ring. I don't want to give oh, it up. Gosh. You are better than this. <laughs> it's not know. her, it's the power of the ring. It's the power Precious. of the ring. And so Valtrauta then leaves because she's like, You're hopeless, there's no hope. <laughs> and but she's like think about what i said and then leaves <laughs> i'm giving well, up on this but it's a big it. scene for a mezzo if brunhilda is mortal mm-hmm. i'm assuming the valkyries have are they not like super strong can you not just wrestle this fucking ring off her finger <laughs> i mean i'm taking it i'm taking it <laughs> I suppose that could have been a, a different trajectory of this story. The story could have been so much shorter, but go on. Right. <laughs> no, because then she would have been corrupted by the ring. It's well, a vicious she knows, cycle. She knows what it is, so she would wear it around her neck in a necklace, <laughs> like, you know, Frodo, and she would <laughs> throw it into the Rhine. There you no, go. we're just, what we need in this scenario is a hobbit to come along, not as easily corrupted by the ring of power. Mm-hmm. Well, next, there's no Hobbit. (laughs) There is Siegfried, who makes it back to the rock where some of the fire has been, like, encircling Brunhilde again. Um, But this time, because he's he's wearing the magic hat, he Mm. does not look like Siegfried. He looks like Gunther. Got it. Okay. Mm. Brunhilde uh, is terrified because there's this stranger coming towards her and the stranger is able to break through the ring of fire, right? So she's like absolutely terrified and Siegfried disguised as Gunther looks at her and he's like, woman, you are now my bride. He <laughs> he rips Smooth. the ring. He rips the ring off her finger. See, he did it. She could have just taken it. I'm sorry. I'm stuck on this. And he... He drags her into the cave for the night and places oh God. places the sword between them. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. That seems well, questionable. It, Wait, well, is that I'm innuendo? Just, that's not innuendo. I don't. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this it sounds like it could in be in innuendo. A direction that I don't care for. And that is the end of Act One. Well, no, he probably didn't because he's got to keep his bride pure for his friend because women right. who aren't virgins aren't good brides. Right. 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 And he also has no memory of 
her from before. So, right. Okay. All right. Act two. Okay. That's how Alberic and Hagen are related. <laughs> Hagen's oh. a teachable moment, everyone. Okay. Ha- Hagen. Hagen is Alberic's son. Oh. oh. So the Gibbushungs are probably like a half dwarf, half human race. Because wasn't Alberic a dwarf? Yes. Yes. So, and Hagen is the half brother of Gunther. So, okay, okay. So they're back at the palace and of the Gibbishungs, and Alberic shows up. And remember that Alberic is the one who, in the very beginning of this whole cycle, stole the gold out of the Rhine River from the Rhine Maidens. Yeah. And he's talking to his son, Hagen, and he's like, dude, you got to get that ring. This is your one and only job. Um, <laughs> make me proud. Make mm-hmm. me proud. Get the ring back. Siegfried arrives, and he's no longer wearing the Tarnhelm, so he actually looks like Siegfried. And uh, the horn call gets blown, and then this is when Hagen basically summons all of his soldiers in for a celebration to, you know, give thanks for Siegfried's arrival and his success and also he wants everyone to celebrate because now Gunther is going to marry Brunhilde and Siegfried is going to marry Gertrude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And so and this is actually the only point in the ring cycle that employs the use of the opera chorus. Oh. Um, the soldiers, the vassals of Hagen are a men's chorus and there is a woman's chorus that also sings in this very, very long scene, but they only sing eight bars of music. Wow. Great. Uh, yeah. And that is the most that a women's chorus sings in the whole ring cycle. Okay. They basically drag Brunhilde in because she is only here against her will. She believes that she has been basically kidnapped and dragged there by Gunther. And well, of course. What else would she think? As she gets, like, thrown into the middle of this, like, group of people, she sees Siegfried. And then she's oh like, oh, Siegfried, my love. And then she sees the ring on his finger. And then she becomes really suspicious. And she's like, how did you get that? Mm-hmm. Because she thinks that it was Gunther who ripped it from her finger. And oh, when she got abducted. Mistrust. Yeah. So now she's very confused and suspicious. And then Siegfried, I don't know why he says this, but he's like, I got this by killing a dragon. Um, I can tell you why he said that. (laughs) Would you like me to tell you why he said that? So his parents were twins. They were brother and sister. (laughs) And sometimes when the bloodline is not mingled at all, things happen and physically <laughs> he might look fine but his brain is like the brain of an eight-year-old that is why theory. he's sitting there someone asks him a question and he's like oh i killed a dragon <laughs> that's why the dude's fucking stupid kyle wow. your theory i i declined to comment no it's actually because because, Way I mean, back it's in the opera Siegfried, that, yeah, yeah, that well, is no, how I get that, he got that, it. I get that, right. I get that, I get that, I get that. Yeah. But if we could think about this for a second, he's right. not presented himself as the smartest person. He's definitely very strong, but he's right. kind of dumb. And I just think there might be a little bit of a reason for that. So. 
<laughs> okay. Can't well, dispute that. Actions have um, consequences, people. The other, with your brother. <laughs> the other thing that's really weird is that this potion that, like, Gunther and Hagen and Gutruna brewed up mm-hmm. makes him forget Brunhilda and everything connected with Brunhilda, but he still has a memory of, like, slaying the dragon and getting this ring. It's a very specific potion that they can very specific. whip up <laughs> very quickly. Very specific it's powerful very magic, quickly. okay? It's powerful magic. Just roll with yeah. it. Okay, so then Brunhilda is obviously confused, and she's like, how can you do this, and why are you marrying this woman when, like, you're you're married to me, and you just swore your love to me, and he's like, lady, I don't know who you are. Oh, cold. <laughs> That's so cold. I don't even know you. I, yeah, I don't even know you. you. Even here. And so then he basically tells everybody, he's like, I don't... I have no memory of this lady, but I played a real good trick on her. I disguised myself as Gunther and abducted her, and Dang. that's how she got here. What an um, a-hole. Seriously. And, yeah, and then, and Brudhilda is just, like, doing everything she can to get people to listen to her side of the story, and, of course, nobody's going to listen to how her. How do you know this one you? So then, eventually, everybody leaves. And Brunhilda's left alone with Gunther and Hagen, and she tells them that even, well, so they're talking about the ring, and at this point, Brunhilda is very jaded because, like, the person who swore his undying love to her has now, like, stabbed her in the back, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. completely abandoned her, and she doesn't realize that he's under the influence of a drinking potion, or (laughs) what magic potion, (laughs) so she just thinks that he's the worst dude on the planet. He is the worst dude on the planet, go on. Right, and then, and so then she decides that she's actually going to help Gunther and Hagen kill him because she's he deserves it yeah solid so she says to them you know what Siegfried might be really strong and he might think that he's like a hero and impossible to beat and yes he could walk through the ring of fire to save me but he has a weak spot and I know where it is can I guess (laughs) oh and where do you think the weak spot is Do you want me to do like an actual guess or the first thing that's going to come into my head, which obviously is testicles? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's going to be something really weird, like underneath his left armpit or something like that. <laughs> it's going to have to do like with his finger that he wears the ring on, something like that. His Achilles heel? No, but that would have been very like poetic. Pinky toe? <laughs> not the pinky toe. His ear. His hair. It's really boring. It's, it's, he is not Samson. <laughs> It's not his ear. It's not his ear. Mm. It's very boring compared to all of your like very creative knife answers. Through the chest. It's essentially like weak spot on his back. He's got a bad back. <laughs> oh, he's a bad back. <laughs> oh. oh, honey. Perfect, with, perfect for a, stabbing in the back. He's got to live with his knees. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's always so, going to come back to haunt him. Oh, man, I really wish it had been his ear. <laughs> So, so Gunther's like, uh, I really don't know how I feel about killing him. What? Like, wounding him, maybe, but like, do we have to kill him? And then you're going like, to kidnap feel so and good rape about this that. woman, but murder is the line. Right. Cool. Right. Go on. And then Hagen's like, no, he's got to die. Got to die. Solid. And he's like, that's the only way that we can get the ring back. And so then Gunther and Hagen have a little side discussion, and they're like, all right, well. I think what we should do is we should actually kill Siegfried and we should take the ring back and, but 
you know, we shouldn't really tell Gatruna the truth because Gatruna's got a heart set on marrying this guy now. She's like totally in love with him. So <sighs> we'll, we're just going to tell Gatruna that he like got killed by a wild boar or something like that. Like just some like killed hunting accidentally. It was sure. an accident. Great. Right. Because um, we don't want her to know that we are killing her husband. And so they agree on that plan. And that's that. End of Act 3. Curtain. No. End of Act 2. Curtain. Oh, I was going to say, I missed the end of Act 2. No. Act 3. Okay. Out of 3? 3 out of 3. Hey. Oh, wow. And a prologue. Yeah. All right. So, the last act is in a forest. (laughs) Fitting. We hear Siegfried's hunting horn. We hear the hunting call. We hear the gibbeshungs and all the, like, vassal hunting people. And Siegfried is kind of on his own. He's been separated from his hunting party, I guess. And he comes across a a stream, a river. And he's like, ooh, I'm thirsty. And he, (laughs) he kind of kneels down to the river. And then out of the river come the Rhine maidens. They're oh. back. They're back. Hey, girls. And he's like, oh, hey, you three. And he's like, check out this great ring that I've got. Do and they rip his hand off? They they are not pleased. Um, but he <laughs> is, uh, he's basically showing off his ring. And they're saying, like, give that back to us. And he's like, no, it's mine. And then they're like, at least let me touch it. And he's like, no, you can't touch it. It's mine. And then the Rhine maidens look Again, at him. He's eight. What's that? He is eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in my telling of it, he acts like an eight year old. He's supposed to be like very heroic and manly in the opera. He's like, you can't touch my ring. It's mine. <laughs> in, a ma- in a manly, heroic in a very way. Manly, heroic right. way. Yes. Go on. And then the Rhine maidens are like, fine, but you know what? You're cursed. You're cursed Ooh. if you won't give us that ring. And so. Give us the ring or we curse you forever. And he's like, I don't believe you. You don't have the power to curse me. All right. Oh, man. Then he, he walks away. What a fucking dumbass. <laughs> the Rhine maidens. <laughs> he walks away. The Rhine maidens go back into the Rhine River after bestowing their curse upon him. Mm-hmm. And then he bumps into Hagen. And Hagen's like, buddy, let's have a drink. You've worked hard today. And... Siegfried starts telling him in like a semi-drunken stupor all about his life and he's like you know what happened to me like my life's been crazy I was brought up by Mima this guy that I hated my mother died giving birth to me but I have this sword that I had to reforge all by myself and then I killed the dragon with it and then this bird was singing and then I like licked the blood (laughs) and so he's like going through the whole story of everything that happened in the previous opera is it like the world's longest aria ever Kind of. I mean, he's like retelling you everything you just saw in the last ah. opera, right? And then he's like, "I slayed the dragon." Well, he's I like, mean- "I slayed the." I- <laughs> he said, "I slayed Hagen's the like, dragon." Shut up! 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 And so he's like, "I slayed the dragon," and then I heard this bird singing, and then I can't remember what happens next, and then then Hagen's like, "Oh, don't worry. Have this drink." And he gives him another magic potion drink. And this magic potion is designed to help him remember what happened, to restore <laughs> his memory. So um, convenient. Why do you do that? Because he's trying to mix things up. As he remembers the rest of his life story, he, of course, also remembers Brunhilda. And he's like, wait a second. 
I remember Brunhilde. I remember rescuing her. I remember she was surrounded by a ring of fire. And then he's like, oh my goodness, I remember that I tricked her. And I remember that she was heartbroken and like thrust into unbearable sadness. And this is awful. What have I done? And then as he's like having this like existential crisis about all the horrible things that he's done, mm-hmm. two ravens fly overhead and Siegfried looks the white up. Walkers are coming. Looks up to see the ravens. And as he's looking up at the ravens, Hagen plunges a spear into his back. <gasps> and yes. And he dies? Literally stabs him in the back. But does he die? He dies. Good. Well, screaming slash speaking slash singing the name Brunhilde. Good. I don't like that guy. Oh, man. Yeah. So then his body is carried off to a very famous bit of music, the Funeral March, which... Let's listen to it. Fuck it. Yeah. (laughs) It's sad and depressing and... I'm pleased. Wagner was very proud of it. Here's the funeral march.
I'm very pleased. That dude sucks. All right. So you're so you're so harsh, Elspeth. <laughs> He's awful. He's really awful. He's awful. Does like, he deserve my empathy? Sympathy? No. Any pity? No. If, if you look at this opera though, one dimensionally, it's like he he generally was tricked. I mean, he was very yeah. susceptible to being tricked. So that's his own problem. But it was like, you know. He was taken advantage of. Yes, he was taken advantage of uh, as a naive person. Right. And also, I think it is sad that, like, Hagen makes sure that he remembers all the horrible things that he's done just in time to kill him. Delicious. Yeah. Go on. I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> You're evil. You're evil. Okay, so now we're back at the palace of the Gibbishungs, and Siegfried's body is being brought in with this funeral march, and Gatruna is beside herself with grief because like finally i'm sure that she was like waiting and waiting and waiting to have a husband and finally she had the prospect of having (laughs) this like dashing blonde strong heroic guy to be her husband and then like literally a day later he's dead there's a lot to unpack there (laughs) i'm not even gonna touch it go on that siegfried's supposed to be like this no i mean with her oh with her her yeah okay there's a lot to talk about there right so but she is so distraught that she basically kind of in a rage turns to Gunther and she's like, you're responsible for this. You murdered him, didn't you? And then Gunther is like, it wasn't my fault. Hagen did it. <laughs> and then Hagen eight. says that he says to everybody, he's like, well, the reason I did it is because Siegfried slept with Brunhilde. So... Hagen's like, so I had to do it to defend Gunther's honor because... <laughs> right. Right? Okay. Right. I wish everybody could see Naomi's face as she's doing. <laughs> I had to do it. It's It was the only sensible thing to do. do. Right. <laughs> so then, and Hagen's like, and I'm just going to try and pry this ring off of dead Siegfried's finger. Literally. Why didn't he take it off before he got didn't to the palace. Didn't think of it. Didn't oh think of it. God, then Gunther is like, stop, 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 stop. Don't, 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 don't. And so they start fighting because Gunther's trying to stop him from taking the ring off the dead guy. And then in the fight, uh, Gunther is accidentally murdered by Hagen. Oh, of course. Accidentally right? murdered. Yes. And then as... Elspeth's going to love this. Mm-hmm. As... Hagen continues to try and rip the ring off of dead Siegfried's finger. Mm-hmm. Dead Siegfried's arm starts rising on its own. Oh, like, like a Nazi salute? What? Kind of like a Nazi salute cool. into the air, right? <laughs> Great. The arm with the ring on the finger. How appropriate. Go on. This, of course, freaks everybody out because they're like, how is a dead guy raising his arm all by himself? Um and so everyone just kind of gets completely freaked out and disperses. And then Brunhilde comes in. She enters into this fray of people freaked out by the magic arm of Siegfried rising in the air. And she says to everybody, I know a lot has happened. And y'all aren't going to understand this. But I promised Siegfried my love. I pledged my love to him. And I still love him and will love him until the end of time. And so she sings that, uh, the Whitney Houston power I love you till the end of time. Oh, I was going to go with I will always love you. 
So, Bruce Hilda channels, she power ballads, she channels her inner Whitney Houston, Mm -hmm. and swears her undying love for Siegfried, even though all kinds of stuff has gone down between them. Gatruna comes in. (laughs) She's like, oh, hell no. Oh, my God. Still not over it. He's dead. (laughs) I know, but she's like... At this point, Gunther's dead, too. So then she turns to Hagen, and she's like, you're responsible for this? I curse you for killing my beloved. And she, like, throws herself on top of Siegfried's dead body. But he's throwing around curses. Um, <laughs> Very dramatic right now. No, she throws herself onto Gunther's dead body, and she's like, Hagen, you're responsible for his death. And he was, it's like a chain. He was responsible for Siegfried's death, and now you're responsible for his death. Mm. It's all horrible. <laughs> she throws herself on the pile of dead, the growing pile of dead bodies. And then. <laughs> it's like Hamlet who's, up in right. here. Who's going to be next? Brunhilde, actually. Um, oh. The love of God. I know. So Brunhilde is then, she basically orders a fire, a pyre to be made. Sure. And she sings. Um, basically like a message to Wotan saying that Siegfried is now at peace in his death and she basically sings like now I understand why everything had to happen the way it had to happen and she takes the ring and she says I am going to do the thing that was should have been done a long time ago I'm going to return this to the Rhine maidens I'm going to return this ring back to the Rhine river and so she actually lights the fire. She puts the ring in her finger. She lights the fire. She gets on her horse, Grana, and I'm she. I'm glad Grana's okay. Oh, sorry. Oh no! no. God damn it! Oh no! <laughs> oh, I'm done. Oh. I'm out. I'm out. Mm-mm. Brunhilde gets on her horse, Grana, and rides him into the flames. <laughs> and then, as she does this, the whole building catches fire, and basically, she—it's a big like immolation scene where she burns in the fire with the ring on her finger and then the Rhine River like comes up and like swallows the whole place kind of like obliterating the fire and and everything in it and um and as this is happening Hagen who just can't let it go like jumps into the water trying to get the ring from the Rhine maidens before the Rhine Maidens can reclaim it, but the Rhine Maidens are, like, not having it, and they drown him. Um, nice. The Rhine River rises up, and it swallows the whole fire, the Gibbeshung Palace, everything that was burning, and then uh, the Rhine Maidens get the ring, and then in the distance, as you see the Rhine, like, kind of washing over this world uh, that's burning in the realm of mortals, you see the gods in the distance and Valhalla in the distance, like going up in flames. And so it's kind of like the fire continues all the way up to the gods and the whole Valhalla gets destroyed and all the gods theoretically like die in this blaze of flames. And so then the idea is that the Rhine river like comes up and washes everything. Once everything's burned to the ground, the Rhine river washes over everything and like a new world theoretically is formed 
And there is redemption because now the ring is back in the Rhine and all of the gold is back in the Rhine where it rightfully belongs. And so all the greed and destructive forces um, have been destroyed and like the world can begin again, essentially. Dang. So this is an opera where every single person dies? Yeah, except for the Rhine Maidens, and, basically. <laughs> and more importantly, who have thought? more importantly, who dies? All of the animals in the opera die. All the animals in the opera die. Yes. That horse didn't do anything to anybody. That is true. He is innocent in this whole thing. I don't like this opera. Dang. So then if we have to pick a hero in this, is it Brunhilde? It's well, the horse. <laughs> Is it the Rhine Maidens are the heroes? Well, yes. Brunhilde is generally cast as the heroic force in the end because she makes the ultimate sacrifice of like ensuring that the ring gets back to the Rhine Maidens by even if it means her death. Mm-hmm. Um, Couldn't she have just put the ring on, gotten the horse, rode to the river, and be like, "Hey guys, super sorry that my dad did this. Here's the ring. Bye." No, that's not how this works. <laughs> Maybe, but I feel like. I feel like everyone was so corrupted by the power of the ring that, like, they would have never just let it be and let the Rhine Maidens have it back, right? There would mm-hmm. always be this, like, constant quest to get the the ring from the Rhine Maidens. Yeah, if only they had, like, a giant mountain of fire, like a volcano, to throw the ring into mm-hmm. to destroy it forever. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be great. But then all the horses other... could have lived. Right. And the other thing is, there's, I don't know if you remember, but way back in the second opera, Die Valkyrie, we were talking about this motif that you hear when um, Brunhilde rescues the pregnant Zieglinda, right? Mm -hmm. And you hear this motif, and it's labeled usually like the redemption by love motif. And... You hear it for the first time in Die Valkyrie in this moment where, like, these two women form a bond or friendship that ultimately rescues Sieglinda, right? Which leads to Siegfried being born, which leads ultimately in this extremely twisted way with a whole bunch of characters we really didn't need to having the ring return to the Rhine, right? And so... At the end of this opera, at the very end of Gata Demerung, for the first time since Die Valkyrie, you hear that motif come back. And it's the redemption of love motif is like the last thing that you hear in the whole ring cycle. And that's what like brings the curtain down. And so there's people have written kind of like, what does it mean that you have this motif that you hear for the first time with Brunhilde and Zieglinda that then comes back at the end uh, after Brunhilde has basically ridden to her death and being burned to her death but has ensured that the ring returns to the Rhine and so there's this idea that like Brunhilde's bravery and Brunhilde's sacrifices are ultimately what bring bring like right all of the wrongs in this like cursed and messed up world right so the hero so some people would argue that she is the hero because she is the one that makes it possible for everything to be put right again. She does tell someone to murder somebody else, though. Well, she doesn't really say go murder him. She's like, hey, if you want to murder him, he has a bad back. Nice. It's Ragnarok, baby. He's been carrying <laughs> a lot of boars and bears and I don't know. 
And not with his knees. <laughs> right. Not lifting with his knees. He didn't have anybody to tell him, you know what, you really should be taking better <laughs> care of your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that is how this massive, massive, epic cycle of four operas comes to an end. We made it. We did it. Oh Lord, help me! All there right. are there are eight harps in this orchestra. It's Dang. a big, 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 big Why? orchestra. Do you need eight harps wow. for anything? I know. And Wagner actually like invented a bunch of instruments so that he could effectively capture like the sound that he heard in his mind of Valhalla and all of these other things. So, like, what is that putting you on the spot? Asking you. Like, like what? What? What kind of instruments? Did he, well, he created the Wagner tuba. Oh right, yeah, which is like the a Wagner tuba. Um, it's a derivation of your modern like concert band tuba, but it's actually smaller in size. And the way that it's modified, I think if you look at the bore of a modern tuba, like a the bore is like the shape of the tube itself. Mm-hmm. The average concert tuba, I think, is like very round. It's actually a round bore and. The Wagner tuba, it's actually a neat story. Wagner had this idea of, like, the sound he heard in his mind of the Valhalla motif, but there were no instruments in the orchestra that quite captured that particular timbre that he was thinking. So he went to a guy by the name of Adolf Sachs, inventor of the saxophone. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and he was a very famous instrument maker in Germany. And so he said to him, I want like sort of the timbre of a tuba or euphonium but i wanted to be a mellower sound and so they played around with like the shape of the actual bell the shape of the tube and they took the the bore of a tuba the shape of the tube and they like kind of squished it to make it like a flatter oval shape and by doing that and changing the size of the bell of the instrument they were able to change the timbre. So I believe that you play it with like fingerings very similar to a tuba. It has valves like a tuba. It mm-hmm. looks kind of like a smaller version, smaller and like stretched version of a tuba. It's a bit taller, but it was invented specifically for the ring cycle. Hmm. Um, and I think he also invented some percussion for the ring cycle as well. I don't quote me on this, but I think that Wagner invented his own like version of a wind machine. Like wind machines mm-hmm. definitely existed before Wagner, but he like tweaked it in a very specific way that then was very like innovative and revolutionary. Wind machines are like a percussion instrument that create the sound of wind. Right. And so um I think he also was kind of innovative in that realm too cuz remember there's the storm at the beginning of Valkyrie. And so he needed wind for that storm. But, yeah. Nice. Well, thank you, everyone, for sticking through the entirety of the ring cycle. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Elspeth, for surviving it against your will. Yes. I appreciate the acknowledgement of that. Thank you, Naomi, for dropping a whole lot of knowledge <laughs> up in this <laughs> piece. <laughs> it's been wonderful. I'm still no expert. There's still holes that, like, I don't fully understand. But I feel like... You gotta like live with this music and with these operas for a long time before you actually like truly get it. And even then, who knows if anybody truly gets it? Mm-mm. Right. Well, we'll be back next week with 
some non-Wagner opera. Mm-hmm. Yay! Thank so God. we have that to look forward to. Yes. In the meantime. Oh wait, wait! Oh, before please, we go, go I just wanted to say we wanted to give a shout out to Cindy. Who wrote us the most amazing email? Oh, she did. It totally made our day. So thank you, Cindy, for letting us know how much you've enjoyed the podcast episodes. And your note totally made us smile today. So thank you. Yes, thank you, Cindy. And on that note, if you have any thoughts, uh, ideas, remarks about the podcast, you can always reach out to us at operaafterdark.com. Uh, please do subscribe to the podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. Uh, please take some time to leave a review. That's also helpful for us. And as always, we love your support on operaafterdark.com slash Patreon. And with that, I'm Naomi. I'm Elspeth. And I'm Kyle. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Still, still recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we didn't stop. Cool, me either.